Welcome to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. I am your host, Marsha Van Weinsberg. I'm a business coach, speaker, and author of the best-selling book, When She Stopped Asking Why. On this podcast, we will use the tips, tools, and strategies used by myself and our speakers to break through and overcome the challenges in our lives. When we take radical responsibility of our choices, create boundaries, grow our courage and practice self-care and letting go of what isn't ours to control, we can completely change our stories. When we take full ownership of our stories, we take back our personal power and this allows us to impact, serve and support others by showing them that they are not alone and helping them find freedom from their stories. When you own your choices, you truly own your life. Let's dive in. Welcome to another episode of Own Your Choices, Own Your Life. And this is a really special episode as I am interviewing Kathy Blasek. Kathy and I actually connected a year ago, and she is another one of those people where it reminds me the power of podcasting. She's in California. We connected at the very beginning of pandemic. She heard one of my episodes and from there joined my Own Your Story Academy. We went through coaching last year. I have cheered her on from afar. And she's just a reminder of how powerful our podcasting methods can be and the actual platform itself, allowing us to reach so many people. So Kathy's company is called One Well Widow. And on this episode, it's a very vulnerable share as far as her story. She dives into her story and what it was like to become a widow at a young age with five kids to parent, co-parent, and what that journey was like for her. She's extremely honest and real and raw with us. And I would expect nothing less because that's exactly how she is. Kathy has a teacher, coach, podcaster, and blogger teaching women to move forward in widowhood. Losing her husband at 39 years old and raising five children has taught her the best ways to move forward. She started to improve her health, take responsibility for her thoughts, actions, go back to school, open a business, and embrace her life. As she says it, my best day hasn't even happened yet. I love this episode. I love everything about Kathy. She's got a heart of gold and she shares openly with us and she shares a sense of humor. And I love all sides of her. I know you're going to love this episode. Welcome to the show today, Kathy. I'm so thrilled to have you here. Hello, Marsha. It's just an honor and a privilege and, you know, it's going to be fun. It's going to be so much fun. I Let's start with some questions and then we're going to get into some of our backstory. So where are you from? I am from Chico, California, which is Northern California, mm-hmm. but I grew up in Montana. So I will always be a, that small town kid from Montana, but I love California. I, yeah, I, I'm sure you do. <laughs> I don't blame you. Yeah. Coming from Montana, the first summer I came here, I thought I died and gone to heaven because the weather is so beautiful. Oh, I can't even fathom that. We're, we're coming into spring soon here. So it's like, I'm just itching for some nicer weather. Mm -hmm. Are you a reader? And if so, can you share a book that has been impactful for you? Yes. I love to read. And it's really funny because I never read growing up. I think I, you know, probably faked several book reports as if the English teacher wouldn't know, you know, (laughs) you know, reading the the cliff notes to cram for a test or whatever, but I love to read. And 
I love to read everything. Probably romance is my favorite, but the one book that I love that's made a, the biggest impact in my life is Purpose Driven Life by Rick Warren. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just so, oh, it's just so teaches you that we are here for a breath and what are you going to do with your life and what impact you're going to make and you matter. And I just, I go back to it all the time. That, that book has come up a number of times on my, on my podcast and it's in my Amazon cart. I have not mm-hmm. read it myself yet. I have to say, but it's definitely in there because I know it's come up many times. Yeah. It's a great book. And I give it to like, you know, anybody, any kid graduating from high school or college or whatever, it's just a great life book, mm-hmm. whether you're a believer or believe in a higher power, whatever you believe in, it really, um, just talks to you know, your steps in life and there's such a bigger, bigger purpose for them. So I love it. I love that. I love that. Do you have a mantra or a quote that grounds you and really describes who you are? Yes, I do. And of course I'm blanking out on the author. Um, it's okay. His last name is Livingstone. I got that part. Um, it's, it's, uh, he says, I will go anywhere as long as it's forward. And that's my mantra every day. There's so much power in what you've said there. And I know that we're going to get into that with your story, but I absolutely love that. What is something that drives you and lights you up? Well, a lot of things drive me. Um, I'm the true extrovert. I love to talk to people, people, you know, that drives me. I love to make people laugh. I love to make them put them, put them at ease. Um, I love to help people see the bright side Mm -hmm. and I'm so grateful, you know, with my teaching and coaching and all of those things, you know, we're just DJs in this world. We're spinning it. And you know, I get to have those conversations and ask the questions so that I'm always driving people to look on the bright side. And that's probably what lights me up. So what I love about that is that I know you enough and we've worked together and I've, I've been, we've been in each other's world here. I have, so I have that little bit of an insight there, but I want to know, is that something you've always had or is that something you've learned? It's probably something I've always had. I think I was the classic struggler my whole life, you know, the C minus kid. I was a scrapper, you know, loved athletics. And I was just, you know, always trying to spin it um, to, to bring out the positives, you know, and, but then through my life and through adversity, you know, and just you know, um, waiting for a while to get married, thinking I'm the dateless wonder, waiting for several things. There was always that humor. And it's like something better is coming my way. I just know it. Mm -hmm. And so I think it comes really naturally. I grew up with just rock star parents who really empowered you and you didn't get away with pouting. It's like, no, we're not going there. You need to get over it. You need to spin it this way. And we're going to move on, move on. So I just 
it was always a part of my life. Well, obviously then those traits came in handy as you found yourself in a situation that you did not plan for. And this is the whole point is about when we talk about this podcast and this platform is the fact that we all have this plan for what our life is going to look like, which is always a bit nutty because it's not based on anything concrete. It's that we think that nothing is going to happen to us. We think that we are, you know, it's only if I'm good, good things will only happen. And that's just not how life really unfolds. And it's more about what we do when challenges hit us and when we're in those shoes. So you actually came into my world about a year ago and you're always a reminder. You're one of the people that's a reminder to me of the power of podcasting, because that is how we connected was through a podcast. And it shows that our messages and our stories can go so far. So I feel like I've known you for way longer than a year, which is a (laughs) bit crazy, but I do feel like I've known you for longer than that. So tell us a little bit more about you and your story and where, what some of the lessons you've had to learn. We're going to dive into it. Okay. Um, So I, I'll give you a little bit of backstory. I became a widow, but prior to that, I, I waited for the love of my life to come and he came with three little kids. And I'm telling you, I never dreamed of being a stepmom. I never thought about it. I never dated anybody that had children. And it's like the minute I met him, it was like, I know, I know this is where I'm heading. Mm -hmm. And so we got married and then we had two more children. So it's like, you know, I was, I grew up with a basketball, uh, basketball coach as a dad. So we had our starting five basically. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so we, we had just the perfect life, Marsha. We had, you know, to, to be in love, to get to love five children, to get to live in this beautiful paradise of California. You know, we both had jobs. We, it was just, life was good. And, um, one day it all changed, you know, he, he came home from work. He was an airline pilot and, uh, he just didn't feel quite right. And, you know, 24 hours later, we are, getting, you know, CAT scans, MRIs, all of those things. And he had a brain tumor and, you know, I was four months pregnant with my youngest son. I thought you were pregnant at this time too. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, it's just, when I look back at that time, it completely changed our lives. How could it not that, and to know that that was all in a span of not feeling well, to within 24 hours, actually having tests, having some things looked at. And then how, how fast after did you get results pretty much once the, the MRI was done? You pretty much get them after two or three days. Okay. And then they're just, you know, saying, this is what you got to do. And, you know, you've got to get surgery. They know the size, they know everything. They know the size stage, everything, you know, I knew, I learned more about cancer than I don't ever want to know. (laughs) Sure. I'm sure. And so those first few days and to the first few period of time, that little bit of time there, how long was that for? Like he was, he was 
he was diagnosed, you're pregnant. What happens next? Well, we, um, after that, and you decide, you know, you're going to go to a specialist and, you know, we started to go to San Francisco, which is about three hours away from us. And he had the surgery and all of that. And, you know, and then, then you go through chemotherapy and radiation, and that is just a whole other hell that I don't wish that upon anybody. Um, you know, and you're just getting through, you know, I was a teacher at the time and I took a leave of absence and this is just all you do. You, Mm -hmm. you handle day by day, what has to get done. I don't even know what my kids ate, (laughs) who took them to school, but somebody Mm -hmm. (laughs) must've, and and then we went through this, um, for a while and he started to feel better Mm -hmm. after a couple of years. And then we thought, okay, he's, we're, we're out of the woods and you start to feel hopeful. And then then it came back mm-hmm. about year four. It, it came back with a vengeance yeah. and we were just, we were flying to DC for clinical trials. We were just trying every way possible to find a cure mm-hmm. for this beautiful man. And um, it just wasn't meant to be. Mm-hmm. And we came home, it was five years and, we had went to Easter, um, to the beach and my mom was with us and it was the last time he walked on the beach. And there's so many phases when you, when you go through death and those, and, and a caregiver, because when things start happening, they happen quick. Mm-hmm. You know, that was the last walk on the beach. We went home and then he needed a walker. Then he needed a wheelchair. Then we were getting ramps. Then we were getting, you know, our whole house was changing to, to those needs. And that was in April. And then he passed away in June. Mm-hmm. So he made it two more months. And um, I think that time was probably the time that I cherished the most because we had those very difficult talks of what, and I never wanted to have them of what he, he wanted of me. He wanted of his children, you know, and he wanted me to find love again. And he wanted to, um, that, you know, I promised to take care of all five kids and, um, it was tough. It was tough to be an adult when you don't have a freaking choice. And it's not about me. You know, I, I had to say goodbye to him, mm-hmm. but he had to say goodbye to everybody. Oh, we can just absolutely just want to pause for a second on that because first off, I thank you so much for sharing as you are right now. I know that this, it doesn't matter how much time has passed. This is just like this what you're sharing with us today, I, you know, how proud I am of you. And I, I'm just so grateful for you because out of all the topics we've had on the show, we have not had a lot of people talk about grief and death. And there's also a lot of stigma and the fact that we don't like to talk about things that are difficult. So you're painting a picture from a standpoint that needs to be painted. It needs to be painted. And as a caregiver, you are saying goodbye to him. He is saying goodbye to everything. But what I think 
to paint, to paint a picture and to make it have people see that side of it as a caregiver, that's exhausting. As a mother, it's exhausting. Like two things separately from each other are incredibly exhausting. Now combine them and now say goodbye to the love of your life and have to go through that. And now all of a sudden it's done and you're now raising five kids and life. So I just, how did you make it through some of those early days? Um, <clears throat> well, you get, you know, you get to a point where you're praying, God, praying to God to not take him. Mm-hmm. And then you're praying to God to please take him Yep, because the pain is too hard for him. And, mm-hmm. and so there's something about pain and grief that at some point you get your big girl pants on and you have to do it. Yep. And I'm very fortunate, you know, I have had just the support of my parents and, and his parents. And, you know, my parents came from Montana and they basically moved in with me for six months, those last six months and just helped me and handled everything. But literally, um, you know, I lost him twice when he got diagnosed and then when he died and then you just, you just get through life. You just get through day to day, the overwhelm. I think what a lot of people don't understand unless you've done it is, you know, all of the financial paperwork that has to be done, all the things that have to be changed out of your name, all of the, you know, bills that have to be paid. And I never really took responsibility for paying, you know, he he was good at it. He was organized. I trusted him. Mm -hmm. I never had a role in that. So the volume of things that have to be done when you have children and household, you know, that side is unbelievable. They're like, you know, I need to get a death certificate to send to certain companies. And I'm like, I'll just order five. I bet I had to reorder like eight times. I, I, I probably sent, had to send out like 40 death certificates. No one would have any idea that that is part of, like, you wouldn't know. I would, you'd have no idea. You'd have no idea. So, you know, a good friend of mine from our church, she had lost her husband and she said, I'm going to give you a tip. She said, do one financial thing a day and move on. And I thought, I can do more than that. Who does she think she's talking to? (laughs) And she was so true because, you know, you get on the phone with a credit card company and you're like, I have to remove the name. And you tell one person, they're like, oh, okay, I see. Let's put you. And then they connect you to somebody new. After you've told the story four or five times, I'm so pissed. I just hang up Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's exhausting. I'm sure it is. I can't even, I can't fathom. And I am sure it is. It's now we still, you're still trying to raise kids. You're still trying to mourn. You're still trying to move through like all of those extra steps and all of those things that you end up having to take care of. It's just, it's, it's a lot. That's a lot. It's just, you know, it's a blur to me. And, and with the kids, you know, they're, they were all at different ages and, um, you know, my youngest was four, Mm -hmm. my oldest was 19 and, um, you know, so much counseling, so much 
even, you know, if kids wouldn't go to counseling, I would go to a counselor for their age so that I could help them navigate, you know, and um, I just learned that you don't have to know it all. You just have to be there. Mm. And kids don't want to talk about it. And they're not your sounding board. Kids are your kids and they'll only ask you what they are willing to handle in hearing it. Mm-hmm. And I really learned that going through counseling and experts and teaching me what kids need. Yeah. So we just hung out a lot. We hung out, we ordered pizza, we ate crap, watched movies you know, if they weren't feeling to go to school, I'm like, sure, whatever. Let's let's stay home. What are you feeling? Mm-hmm. And we just did a lot of that. So you didn't, what I'm hearing is you didn't attach a lot of expectations to what it was supposed to look at, like at that time. And no. would you, yeah, would you not agree that that is something that I think when we're going through um, chaotic, traumatic times in our life, the second we start attaching an expectation to what it's supposed to look like, we're never going to measure up because it just doesn't involve, there's no room for any human experience and human emotions and ups and down days. So I just wanted to ask you about that. Yeah, no, there's, you know, it's not like anybody teaches you how to be a widow and how to raise kids without a father. And so there's really no manual. So it's really like permission to not give yourself an expectation. Mm. And, you know, the more productive you are, it is not always the answer. And to just slow the hell down and just be mm-hmm. and walk through it and acknowledge it. And those were the specific things that really helped me step forward. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't perfect. It was ugly. Oh yeah. No, I'm sure. I like, and, and how could it not be? I think that's the thing is, is that I love one of the things I've always loved about you is how real you are, because I think that's, what's missing a lot of times is, is that if people paint the picture as perfect, then it's everyone else will measure to that and say like, what's wrong with me? Why can't I do that? Meanwhile, the picture was never perfect anyways. No. And you know, I, I work with widows and I'm, I'm in a lot of widow groups or Facebook groups or whatever. And there's this, there's this kind of underlying competition. Like I've, you've, you know, this person got through it in a year and this person got through it in six months. And, and when is the time frame that you can, you know, move this? And it's like, okay, hang on, Hilda, you have got to <laughs> just be, listen to yourself, mm-hmm. give it to God. He will light your path mm-hmm. and let other people help you. Oh, Okay. So for anyone listening, who's going through anything in their life, everything you just said there, it pertains to all of you, just so you know, like every single person is being able to ask for and receive help, not judge yourself, not compare yourself, your progress to anyone else. Those things just, I think that though living, when we live like that, we isolate ourselves and make it that much harder for ourselves to continue to move forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. I agree. And I think as women, um, that little voice in the head 
you know, we're so collaborative and we love community. We can just kick that other C word out of our life, that competition. That's just bullshit. You know, it's not helping us. No, it's not. And I love that you went here. And ironically, this is International Women's Day. And I just, I, I've, I've got this thing brewing that I want to do. I want to share. I want to do a, a post of a live, whatever it is, is this fact that we, you can't talk about collaboration, but live in the world of competition and comparison. You can't, they don't exist at the same time. And so if you're doing that, it's completely out of an integrity. And I think that that actually is something that spills into every aspect of our life. So I am so adamant that the spaces that I grow in and the spaces that I help others grow in is a collaborative environment. And if it's not a person who's willing to be in a space of collaboration, this isn't the space for them because it's Mm -hmm. just, you have to get to a space of realizing you don't have to do it alone. You absolutely don't. And doing it alone is a choice. It's a choice. So I just, I love that you went here with this because I think that this is really, really important and it really does pertain to your story. Mm-hmm. Well, and I, I, I look a lot at competition, you know, I'm, I, I teach, you know, well, sports we're people by nature. Yes. Inside, yes. In ourselves, like with ourselves. Yeah. yeah. And I, I train physical educators and coaches. That's what I yeah. do at the university. And so we talk about competitiveness and, you know, to be competitive is a standard that we can put on ourselves and that we can be a better today than we were yesterday. We can quantify our goals and set new goals and be competitive with those goals to hold us accountable. But once we put competition to the external, to somebody else, to somebody's house, to somebody's life, Mm. that's not what competition was meant to be. Mm. You know, competition is something to honor And I think you need to understand how to be competitive in our world and in our careers and in our life, but that's about you, Mm -hmm. the internal. Mm -hmm. It has nothing to do with the external. It's like, be the very best, most prepared person you can. Mm -hmm. Let the other people see what you're doing, but you know. Um, for anybody out there, you know, that loves competition and loves sports and loves all of that, John Wooden. Oh, he's, he's the one I go to. He never, ever concentrated on outside influences. He concentrated on how great his players could be Mm -hmm. on the court. And I've learned so much in my career about competition, collaboration, cooperation, and I've been able to apply it to my life Mm -hmm. because I freaking needed it. (laughs) Well, obviously. And do you think that that is something that helped you to get through some of those early, like a really key piece that helped you to get through in those early days and even today? Like that's just. Yes. Yeah. You know, if, if, if you hear one thing from me, Mm -hmm. work on yourself, concentrate on yourself. That girl in the mirror, she's gorgeous and she needs you. 
you have got to put her front and center and screw everything else. Because I'm sorry, that's just the way it is. Oh, 100%. I'm just laughing because <laughs> I love what you're doing right now. Absolutely. You know me. I love this. This is like right up my alley. This is the thing is, is that it's like it, we can all do that. We can all live that way. We can all be that way. And I think that when we do that, we give permission to other people to do the same. We can show them what's possible. And I just think, especially again, International Women's Day, we're in this space that we want to talk collaboration, but I would challenge you if you're listening to this, do you actually live and breathe collaboration? Do you actually like, do you actually cheer on your sister, your feather, your fellow um, women, business life? Do you cheer them on from a space of like saying, go like, oh my God, it's amazing what she's creating. Or do you cheer her on and go, go, yay. Why can't I do that? Like, why can't, because be mindful, be mindful. That's like out of integrity. It's really out of integrity. Mm -hmm. So that is something I've watched you do. And I think you have just given permission to a lot of women who are in that space of how to navigate some of those early days, especially when you're just trying to find your footing. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, when I started this business and, you know, thought about the name and it, you know, it morphed into several different things and it finally is one well widow. I am hoping that one, I'm boosting one woman to move forward in their life Mm -hmm. because when one of us wins, we all win. And I truly believe that's how we should look at all women. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, It's just extremely gratifying, purposeful, um, joyful Mm -hmm. when you lift others up. Mm -hmm. It feeds a part of the soul that it it motivates more movement forward. Mm -hmm. And so when, when you're grieving and it's hard to really think about, you know, helping somebody else or being thankful for somebody else, or who could I help today? Cause you're all in it for yourselves right there. And as you should be, cause you're protected. Yeah. But once you start feeling it's time to come out, it's time to come out and play again. Mm-hmm. You got to start being grateful. You've got to start helping others. You've got to start seeing it from somebody else's perspective. And that's when growth starts happening. Cause you allow it. You're allowing, you allow it. And, you know, I, I work with my, my teachers in education. It's like, how do you want to get good at something? Go help or teach somebody. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, and then you learn it. And so it just has this snowball effect. It does. It absolutely does. So this is what it's, again, you are somebody whose story is perfect for this podcast in the sense that you have taken your story and you're paying it forward. You're paying it forward and creating a difference and an impact. So tell us what it is specifically that you do. I know we also know your teacher, but what specifically one well widow, what are you doing and where do you see this vision going? So I am on a mission Mm -hmm. to advocate for widows, their rights, their um, confidence, their competence, their stake in this world. And so that's a big piece. I coach widows. I help widows get to their next. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So after the counseling and the, you know, release healing has started, you're thinking, I have this new identity. What does that look like? Do I want a new career? Do I want to move? Do I want to, you know, all of these things that are impossible. So I help women create a path to their future happiness mm-hmm. because we don't just get one fairy tale in this world. We can have another. <laughs> and, you know, the sky is the limit. When you've gone through hell and back, you know, heaven is only in front of you. You know, and I think so many widows, they just stay stuck and they feel unworthy of a next. They feel unworthy of joy and happiness. And it's like, yeah, no, that's not going to work. And so I help them, you know, create awareness where they are now. Let's get honest with the truth, you know. We all look back and we fantasize about certain things of our past, but that's not always the truth. Mm-hmm. And so to get real aware, um, I, I coach women to take responsibility for, for their lives. All right. That is absolute gold. You're going to listen back to this and go, oh, I love <laughs> how that lands. <laughs> Honestly, taking responsibility for their lives. I think no matter what your story, no matter what has happened to you, you can still, you put it in your show notes and I love this, right? My best day hasn't happened yet. Yeah. It hasn't happened yet. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I truly believe that. And, you know, I think widows, we come from a space of, you know, everybody says, I mean, this is the number one worst cause of stress in the world mm-hmm. is losing a spouse. Wow. Okay. So we got that going for us. <laughs> so don't you think there's several tools to help us with this? Mm-hmm. And, you know, widows, anybody grieving and, and, and we want to start normalizing grief because unless you're never going to die, you're going to have to deal with this. Everybody, unless you're going to, everybody will be impacted by this. Everybody point, will every single person. Yeah. And we've got to talk about it. Mm-hmm. You know, when I talk to people, I don't, you know, that's not my opener. Hey, I'm a widow. Um, <laughs> because that's how you really clear a room. Yeah. But I've done it. You and I both know, I like, I do the same thing sometimes and I just drop what that is. And you can see people's face to go, Oh my God. Like that's, oh yeah. nobody wants You're to like, talk about that stuff. When they ask how you are, like nobody actually really wants to know sometimes. And, and when you drop that kind of here I am. There's a lot of people who don't know what to do with that. And that's okay. Cause we're here to change stigmas, to change thoughts, patterns, beliefs. And that's not going to happen if we're trying to make everybody happy, cozy, comfortable. No. And I, I did that for a while. I hid for a while, hid my feelings. I wanted to make other people feel, you know, at ease with me, you know, I don't want to be the turd in the punch bowl that everybody avoids. So I just kind of pretended that everything was okay to put others at ease. Mm -hmm. And once I stopped that and really acknowledging conversations or situations or places that really, I was fibbing to myself being comfortable there. Mm -hmm. You know, 
I'm not comfortable going to a, you know, a girl's night out with women and they're all complaining about their, their husbands or whatever. It's like, that's just not okay for me. And so you start kind of cherry picking where you need to be with this new identity. Mm -hmm. And I started, you know, when people would ask and ask me more about my life, I would go on the surface at first and then I would tell them. But then I would say, you know what, these are some things that I've learned. And when, when adversity happens, you find the lessons Mm -hmm. and, you know, and hopefully it became awkward for them. And then they went home that night and really re-examined their life and how grateful they are, you know, those little touches of uncomfortableness. I don't even know if that's a word, but sure. We go home and we think about those people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I it, it's it's interesting, and there's so many ways I could take this. And I I love what you're saying. I had somebody once complain to me about a family issue that came up, and I remember sitting in the room going, like, seriously, is that the biggest thing you have? Like, I'm not saying it's a, compa- a comparison. It was just like that's not life. Like it's, it's not, that's not the worst thing that can happen. Be mindful that there's lots of things that can happen to people. And if we can't find some gratitude for where we're at, it really can make a big, big difference. So I won't even share what that was about because that's going (laughs) to like, yeah. Anyways, there, (laughs) sorry, that, but it just, it hit me because I think that's the thing is you see when you have trauma happen to you, you see life differently. I don't think you can mm-hmm. unsee it a different way. I really no. don't. No, I don't think you can. And, and you get to a point where you're almost like sarcastic or whatever, just like kind of not even engaging in mm-hmm. people's petty things. And that's really judgmental on my point. But you, that's also a sign of healing. Mm-hmm. That's a sign of my healing. When I had was fed up, you know, somebody said something about, you know, oh, cry me a river. And I was like, I did already, maybe an ocean, but you know, and and then, then it's like, if you can start to kind of spin it and take it a little lighter, you know, that there's some healing really happening in your life. Mm -hmm. And those are little pivotal signs that you want more. Yeah. You want more out of your future. And that's just, that's beautiful because you hit that space of growth and seeing what's possible. Like, cause all of a sudden, if you want more now you can actually see what is possible out there for you. So I absolutely love that. And I love what you're doing and how you are paying that forward. I think is an absolutely beautiful thing. A beautiful thing. You also have your podcast. Yes. Yes. Tell us about your podcast. Okay. So this lady they Marsha taught me how to podcast. <laughs> so I have a podcast, One Well Widow, and I talk about my coaching, my advocacy, and I've been interviewing women on the podcast and really getting to help women listen to themselves, listen to that internal voice. What do you really want in this world? Mm -hmm. You know, really helping them um, be hopeful because hope is a future type of Mm -hmm. emotion. And 
when there's hope, you know that change and momentum is right next mm-hmm. to it. So I try to try to talk a lot about on my podcast, getting you forward. It goes back to what you asked me at first. I'll go anywhere as long as it's forward, you know, and you have to try things on, you know, Um, fear just stunts us and we end up doing nothing. And it's like, while you're sitting there stuck on the couch, like I was, maybe Mm -hmm. you could do something while you're waiting. Mm -hmm. And so I just kind of dove into this podcast, not knowing really how it was going to evolve. And I found my voice. Mm -hmm. So that's been really exciting. And I would love to interview widows, anybody that wants to empower women, anybody who wants to advocate Mm -hmm. for grief, normalcy of grief. Hey, I'm, I'm your girl. Oh, you are. You absolutely are. I'm so proud of you. Absolutely love everything you. that you're doing. I do. And I don't know if I said it earlier, but we were just like, you came into my world almost exactly a year ago and just a little bit over. And this was when the world literally changed. And so it was such a time full of questions and uncertainty and like, what is happening right now? And I love that we got to navigate some of that time together because it was growth for all of us. We didn't have a clue what was going to happen next. So I, I'm just really grateful that I've got to watch you shine and show up and talk about the difficult things, the things, but they need to be talked about. And you have such a way, a beautiful way of spinning and adding humor that they're just always, there's always time where I just kind of go, that was, that was awesome. That's a total Kathy moment. And I love it. So I love that you stepped into that because that's who you are. That's who you are. And you allow that to be seen. Well, thank you, Marsha. But, you know, grateful doesn't even describe how I feel about you. I, like I said, there's no accidents in this life. I came upon Marsha's podcast completely out of the blue. She's a Canadian. I'm a Californian. (laughs) And just something spoke to me like, you know what? I have to do this. I have wanted to do something for widows for years. Mm-hmm. I just never knew what it was. And then when you, when you answer the call, when you notice the signs, mm-hmm. it just opens up to you. Mm-hmm. And as awful as COVID is, it's like, well, I was teaching at the university full time. I went to virtual teaching. I had more than enough time to work with Marsha to start building my business Mm-hmm. to start re-examining what I really want in this world. So I don't believe, I mean, I just know that, you know, play by play, God was upstairs going, here's my X's and O's and here's Marsha. And she's got to, you know, intersect over here with Kathy. <laughs> and he's like, you know, going all John Madden on us. And <laughs> I just know I was supposed to meet you. And I can't imagine where I would be if I hadn't have known Marsha Van Weinsberg. Oh, okay. All right. I love you. Now I'm crying. (laughs) This is the thing. And I, again, for anybody who's listening, if you're still listening, thank you. Is just our stories have power and what we learn in our stories have incredible power. We do not have to have the same story in order to relate to each other. I think that is one of the biggest misconceptions I get is people think that you have to have the same story in order for someone to understand you or for you to understand someone else. And I cannot say enough that is just wrong 
because we connect by emotions, by pain, by suffering, by joy. We connect by all of it. And when we can tap into those parts of our story, we can actually really connect with who we're meant to connect with. So agreed. So agreed. We are so much more similar than we are different. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So I am beyond grateful for you. I am so proud of you for how you have stepped into this space and what you are sharing and how you share with the world. And we'll make sure everything you have is connected through the show notes so people know where to find you. I have two quick questions for you to wrap things up. First is, and I think you've answered it, but I want you to tie a bow on it, is what impact do you want to create in this world? I want to create social change in how the world views grief. You know, I'm not a widow with nine cats in a rocking chair with a sweater. And they're young, old, all walks of life, all different ethnicities, colors, everything. Mm -hmm. And when you lose a partner, you know, you didn't lose the love. Mm And so how to treat people who are going through grief, that's my mission Mm -hmm. and, and coaching widows. I'm going to teach you how to treat yourself when you're going through grief. I love it. And, and even if a person isn't in the space of being a widow, what you can learn from how Kathy is living her life and sharing in the lessons is so important because we will have friends who are widows. We will have people in our lives who are widows. I, I know I shared this story with you when I first met you. One of my closest friends 15 years ago was a widow at 35 and with two mm-hmm. kids under two. And watching how people treated her blew my mind. It blew my mind. And it was more of a case, I understand this now, I didn't then. It was that they didn't know what to do and she didn't know how to advocate for herself because she was beyond burnt out after caring for her husband who died with a brain tumor. It was just, Mm -hmm. it was watching it all, all the way around firsthand. And so I think that what you're doing is going to impact women in general, because that allows them to support others around them who will be experiencing grief. I agree. And I think it'll, it'll, um, it'll affect women and men. Mm -hmm. You know, if I wouldn't have gone through this, I wouldn't have known the wonderful things that people said, what they did, what they brought. Mm -hmm. And then also the very peculiar things they said, thought and brought. So I want to bridge that gap. Mm -hmm. So there's no question, you know, if you feel like you should say something, well, there's your answer. Mm -hmm. If you feel that you should bring something to the house, there's your answer. Mm you know, and, and really getting, I mean, there's etiquette in everything else. Why can't there be grief etiquette and, and really sending that message to the world. Yeah, That's, that's because when you give to somebody else, you give to your soul. You do, you do. And it comes back in ways that you never would have even imagined or planned. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Beautiful. Last question. What lesson in life are you most grateful for? Oh, that's a hard one. Mm-hmm. It's always, it's honestly, if you listen to any podcast episode, that is literally what people say is it, it hits. I want you to go with your gut instinct. Okay. The, the best lesson I've learned throughout my life is that you have to love whomever you're with 
in that stage because people come and go and like the saying goes, some people are with you for a reason, a season, or a lifetime. Mm -hmm. And enjoy them for the season that you have them. Absolute gold. Absolute gold. Thank you so much for being here today, Kathy. So grateful to know you and have you in my life and watch you shine and soar. I love what you're doing in this world. Thank you for being here. Thank you so much, Marsha. It's a pleasure. It's a blessing. Cheers. Cheers. Thank you so much for tuning in to the Own Your Choices, Own Your Life podcast. If you love this episode, please submit a rating and review on iTunes and please share it with someone you think could benefit from hearing this message or this podcast. I love connecting and meeting you. So please screenshot the episode and tag me on social media or Instagram stories at Marsha Van W. And until next time, remember when you own your choices, you truly own your life.